What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. Just New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. Super Bowl 57 is in the books. We had a classic game this year between the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to recap the big game with Joe Dalwizio, as I traditionally hear on the podcast in just a bit. Break down the big game. A little offseason teaser as well. So I got the quarterback carousel, some Giants and Jets stuff with Joe in just a bit. We're also going to do our annual halftime and commercial breakdown at the podcast, pop culture correspondent, Sandra Rose. That's coming up in just a bit as well. A lot of fun stuff indeed. If you like to hear the Justin and Suffering podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms, and all episodes there. Feel free your feedback and starting as well. Limit the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of the conversation with Joe and Sam are up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip. We're going to take a look at my thoughts on the big game. That is going to come up here right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. Here we go. Opening tip time. Talking Super Bowl 57. A lot of fun. Instant classic in the NFL. Chiefs rise from a 10-point halftime deficit. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35. Win their second title in four years in the Andy Reid-Patrick Mahomes combination. We're sitting here soaking in right now at this point recording about 24 hours after the game. It's still hard to believe that the Eagles actually lost this football game. They held the ball for nearly 36 minutes. They ran 19 more plays. They gained 417 yards of offense, and they lost. What a great game. So, why are the Chiefs the champions and not the Eagles? One word, or one person specifically, Patrick Mahomes. Things look very dicey in the first half. When Eagles defender rolls up on Mahomes' ankle late in the uh, period, he comes to the bench, he's in agony, he looks like he's done, he's going to miss at least part of the game. Luckily for Kansas City, that came right before the extended halftime break. Rihanna goes out, does her thing on the stage, walks long break, gives them plenty of time. They get about 48 minutes of, of real time between Mahomes' snaps to get him treatment. He did not miss a snap in the game. He willed that team to victory in this game. He missed some incredible plays down the stretch. Everyone's going to remember that third down scramble and the bad ankle to pick up the first down late in the game, the 26-yard scramble. That was great. He only threw for 182 yards on the night. They completed 21 27 passes, three touchdowns, including the go-ahead score of Sky Moore in the fourth quarter. Huge moments there. The Eagles also did get a transformance game from Jalen Hurts. He threw over 300 yards and a touchdown. He ran for 70 yards, three more scores. One of the most complete efforts a losing quarterback has ever had in the Super Bowl. His one big mistake in this game was the fumble he suffered the first half. That was picked by Nick Bolton. The Eagles Chiefs ran in for the touchdown. Those were seven big points for Kansas City. Because they allowed the Kansas City to stay in this game. And the Eagles were dominating. Because the, the Chiefs really did not flip that switch until after halftime. Things are a lot different if it's, you know, 21-7 as opposed to 24-14. There were two things in the game overall, though, that were problematic. Number one, the field conditions. 
we had heard pregame about how the NFL had grown this grass in Arizona for two years just for this Super Bowl. And we spent the whole night watching guys slipping and sliding all over the place. We had some players talk about this basically being a water park. That's not a good look for the league when you spend two years growing your grass and it's a complete disaster. Number two, the officiating again had issues. We still have no idea what the catch rule is. I mean, you have this play with Devontae Smith early in the game. It's overturned. Dallas Goddard won similar situations on the sidelines. That was upheld. And the NFL, real wireless Mike Pereira for Fox, he had no good explanation for either why those calls were made. The big one, though, is defensive holding call and James Bradbury late in the game, essentially end of the night, because Eagles have a third, she's a third down. Chiefs can kick a field goal if they get stopped here. He can be passed, but he's holding on the play on Juju Smith-Schuster, and that basically ends the game. Was it a hold? It definitely was a hold. James Bradbury even admitted it was a hold. The problem here with this crew is that they spent the whole night not calling flags, and now you're throwing a flag in the most important spot of the game. To me, you got to be consistent with it. Either you're calling that all night, or you don't call it. I do not like having a classic game get decided because the officials made the big call down the stretch. That I do not like. There's more dive into it this game. We're going to talk about it with Joe Dalizio right after this call from the Super Bowl. Courtesy of Fox Sports is uh, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. Blitz coming. Mahomes. Man wide open. Touchdown Chiefs at Skymore. It's the same exact play they ran earlier with Kadarius Tony, and they don't pass it off again. We saw Tony do it on the previous touchdown. Two guys went with Kelsey. All they did was swap out Sky Moore. All right, we are back here on the podcast recapping the big game. Chiefs beat the Eagles 38-35 near the gun to win their second Super Bowl in four years. As is tradition here on the podcast, we're breaking down the Super Bowl once again with our NFL guy, Joe Dalwizo is here. Joe, how are you? Mike, I am doing well. Uh, what a great Super Bowl that we all just witnessed. A little depressing, though, now that we will go some time without NFL football. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I know you are big XFL guys. You can start watching the XFL on Saturday. You know what? It's just so tough, man. Between the XFL, USFL, I know the Arena League is coming back. It's just, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. If they don't get the star power that the NFL has, then I, I really think it's going to be hard for them to survive. USL thing, SFL thing is weird, too, because I know that, like, uh, friends of the podcast, Mike DeMurray is a big USFL guy, but, like, it's weird that they keep, they don't, that they have these eight teams, they're supposed to represent different states, to play all the games, like, two of them. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't like the, like, home base location for the entire league. Uh, I guess the reason why they're doing it is to to bring people to one spot, but, like, we'll never be able to go to a game unless they start playing in this area, right? So, um, I don't know. Bottom line is it'll never compete with the NFL just based on talent and the and the players that we just saw in the Super Bowl, you know, cream of the crop. Yeah, absolutely. Here And speaking of the Super Bowl here, I think probably one of the best games you've had the last decade or so because obviously you had the big comeback here. You have these big momentum swings throughout the game. And, like, honestly, this is not a game where anybody really lost. It's more a matter of here, like, the Chiefs just took it away from the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, this was an action-packed game. Um, 
like you mentioned, one of the better games that we've seen in the last decade or so. Um, I was actually surprised. Um, I thought I expected a little bit more defense. I did not expect both teams to score in the 30s. Um, You know, going into this matchup, everyone was talking about the Eagles' uh, defensive line. Still waiting for them to show up because, you know, credit to KC's offensive line, but they held their own. Um, And just the back and forth and, you know, at – at any point of this, of this game, you, you never felt like one team was taken in until the end, man. It, it was a great Super Bowl. It certainly was here. Two things I want to sort of get out of the way here really quickly here is number one, like the two things probably I had with the game overall was I don't know how the league let the field be that bad for that game considering we heard all the reports that they did the before. Oh, we've built this grass field two years ago just for this game. And all of a sudden, everybody's slipping and sliding out there. I think one of the Eagles linemen said it was like playing on a water park. I mean, you got to do better than that for the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. I mean, that's that, that's part of it, though. I mean, that I, I don't think the field condition played that big of a role in the outcome, right? If there was slipping and sliding, all right, you know, if they played on turf and someone tore their ACL, they'd be complaining that they that you know they played on turf, right? So, at the end of the day, you're never going to get a hundred percent full consensus. Everyone's happy, kind of a thing. Um, I had no issues with it. Listen, it's part of it. You know, make the adjustments that you need to do. If you have to change your cleats, change your cleats. If you need to clean them in between, clean them in between. Like there, there are things that you could do to make it a little bit better. So I'm, I, to be honest with you, yeah, they've been prepping the field for two years. Should it have been better? Sure. I'm not buying it though. Yeah. The other one is the officiating, which obviously has been a storyline throughout the playoffs here. I mean, we could talk all day about the catch, no catch thing, which I think there's still, I have no idea of 25 years later, what a catch is in the NFL based on those two calls we had, but do you have a problem with that with the hold in the last play of the game with the, with the James Bradbury situation? I mean, Bradbury made was a hold, but I think my issue is not that it was a penalty, but the fact that we called nothing all game, and all of a sudden we're calling a, we're throwing a flag at the most important moment. I think it's either a flag all game or it's not a flag at all. So, so here's the thing: and going to the catch thing, I think we'll never figure finally figure out what a catch is versus what what isn't a catch. It's just uh, it's it's what created a new brand for the NFL. What is a catch versus what what is not a catch? With that being said, 100% it's a flag. you got to call it. And I, I thought the officiating was fine. I mean, they let them play. But listen, at a pivotal moment, I mean, you're not going to just not call that because you haven't called flags. I mean, I thought the, the flow of the game was really great throughout. But if you don't call that, that is an egregious miscall right there. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it was clear as day. And you know what? I give James Bradbury a lot of credit coming out after that game and saying, hey, I held him. I thought I was going to get away with it, but I held him. Right. So like there's there's no room for debate now. Like, oh, was it a flag? Wasn't it a flag? So uh, I have no problem with them calling it. Obviously, it takes so much juice out of such an exciting game once that that flag is called. But man, it's the right call. I mean, you, you can't argue that it's the right call. Uh, I don't care what the refs did earlier in the game. You got to make them you got to make the calls when they count. And it counted there and I, they got it right. It certainly did. I'm not, and I'm not someone to, you know, always defend the refs, but I mean, I, I, I thought they did a great, uh, a solid job. Yeah. It's unfortunate for the league too, because you know that now there's going to be a whole lot of the, remember after the ACTA, they had the whole, the NFL scripted the like thing on Twitter and like, people was like, Oh, here's the script again. Like, you know, they're going to have some of those people coming out that would work too. Yeah. But you know what? I've seen so many of those videos and TikToks of all oh, the NFL script has been leaked and they couldn't have been more wrong with what they, what people thought, you know, was going to happen in this Super Bowl. Yeah, that's for sure here. You know, the Super Bowl year. I mean, first half of this game was like Philly dominates the first half. They're up 24-14 at the locker room. I'm feeling very good. I made predictions like, oh, Eagles are going to win, dominate the trenches, all this stuff here. 
Mahomes dealing with a hurt ankle here. They come back second half, Kansas City, and, and steal this game away from the Eagles. How did they do, in your opinion? Well, I think the biggest thing is Nick Sirianni was playing checkers, and Andy Reid was playing chess. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, Andy Reid, what surprised me in that first half was not getting the ball first, knowing how good the Eagles have been on first possession, first drives. But, I mean, Andy Reid outcoached Nick Sirianni, out, ran circles around him in that second half, made it made the offense simple, used and did what was effective, and got the job done. I mean, look at the two touchdowns late in the game. They ran the same exact play twice. Two different players, opposite side of the field. Same result both times. That's just knowing what's going on out there, knowing the tendencies, catching on to things, and using it at the right time, at the right moment. I mean, it also helps when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes commanding the field, right? That always makes it a lot easier. But I think the Chiefs were able to settle down, and coaching played a huge role in that second half. Yeah, I remember I was reading uh, Peter King's uh, Football Morning in America column. They talk about those two plays. They call the, the play was called Corn Dog, according to Andy Reid here, and what the the play you talk about in the end zone there. And it's amazing that like a guy who's getting head coaching, he's now in the Eagles as a coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. It's not going to be a fun conversation going there. It's like, how'd you get fooled by the same play twice in the base game and have chief receivers wide open like on both sides of the field for touchdowns? That basically cost you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know how to answer that. I didn't know how I wouldn't know how to answer that. But listen, you got to give Andy Reid and that offense a ton of credit because a lot of people going into this season thought, oh, with the loss of Tyree Kill, how are they going to – you know, how are they going to figure the things out? I mean, you got a running back in Isaiah Pacheco who, if you would have told me at, you know, at the beginning of the season that Isaiah Pacheco would play a huge role in this Chiefs offense, I would have said, first of all, who is he and what are you talking about, right? Then you 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 make that move to bring in a Kadarius Tony, who was a disaster in New York, goes goes to a new home, plays with a, with a, with a legit quarterback, finds his groove, does his thing when called upon. They were able to leave and lose, excuse me, Tyreek Hill and supplement them with a bunch of different players. Obviously, Travis Kelsey's there, but between Sky Moore, MVS, Juju Smith, Kadarius Toney, and they put them, those guys, in the right position week after week to get them where they needed to be. Yeah, I think two underrated plays that game here, I think people forget about two, is number one, the punt return by Kadarius Toney like in the second half, brings him down to the five yards. That's a very easy touchdown. And back in the first half, I mean, the fumble return for a touchdown on Nick Bolton also is a big deal. The Chiefs were were getting dominated early on here. I think without the seven points, I think it's a lot harder for them to come back. Well, without a doubt. I mean, that's a huge part of that game that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Um, with that being said, going back to Kadarius Tony, if he takes that back to the house, I mean, you know Patrick Mahomes is getting the MVP, um, the MVP. But, you know, if, if he took that back, plus the touchdown reception that he had, it's like, whoa, like he completely changed this game right now. Could he potentially be – uh, the Super Bowl MVP, which would have drove Giants fans wildly <laughs> crazy. But, you know, um, yeah, that fumble was huge. That fumble was huge and really kind of brought the changed the momentum number one and kept the Chiefs right there with it. Because in that first half, the way that Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense was, was moving the ball, I said, wow, this is going to be a tough one, but this is going to be a great game. Yeah, it certainly is here. Tell me what I had history on the side, too, in the yard, because I, I don't think there's ever been a punt return for a touchdown in the history of the Super Bowl. So if he was at the first one, he scored the game-winning touchdown here, I mean, would have been a would have been a compelling argument. I know Mahomes would have won anyway, but still, he would have had a case. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It would be foolish to not consider him. Yeah. 
Speaking of Patrick Mahomes here, I mean, we talk, I talk about this in the open of the podcast, and when, we, when he gets hurt at the end of the first half, when the, the ankle gets rolled up on, you see him in the sideline agony, you're sitting there thinking, like, oh, no, how much time is he going to miss in this game? And then I had this brilliant thought. I had, like, wait a minute. Like, extended halftime, Rihanna's going to save Patrick Mahomes because he ends up not missing a snap. He comes back. He leads the Chiefs down the field multiple times. And I got to say, I think the defining play of the game is not even, like, any pass he made, but that 26-yard scramble on the bad ankle to get the pick up the third down conversion late in the game. I mean, like, this was probably one of the all-time Patrick Mahomes performances. Yeah, no, I mean, he came into this game banged up. He obviously played banged up. When he got hurt, the only thing I said was he's got to be on the field. If yeah. this, if he doesn't get back on this field, this game is over, complete blowout. Eagles are walking to the Lombardi Trophy. I mean, they already got lucky with Brock Purdy. Like, is it going to happen again with Mahomes? And if that was the case, you know, game over, game over. But, you know, to see him fight back, get back on that field and just be as effective as he was, I mean – Incredible. Incredible. And if you really look at his other two Super Bowls that he's been in, you know, stat wise, nothing jumped off the chart. Like an injured Patrick Mahomes this year arguably had his best Super Bowl. It's yeah. incredible. I mean, you look at his numbers overall. I mean, like he only threw 182 yards, but he did throw for three touchdowns. Like we had 21 27 passes here, and he had the big run. So, like, it's like not making the highlight real plays, he's making all the plays he needs to make, though. Efficiency at its finest. And that's what you need in the yeah. biggest moments. Yeah. You don't need that 70 yard bomb, you know. Dink and doink, get down the field and get points. And that's what they did. Absolutely here. And obviously, now the conversation is going to start about whether or not the Chiefs are becoming an NFL dynasty. And I mean, I, I don't know how you feel this. I personally feel like until you win back-to-back, you can't really be in the dynasty conversation here. But I mean, they're starting to put the resume together. I mean, they've been to five straight AFC Championship games. Three out of four Super Bowls, they've won two. I mean, we're getting close. No, I mean, I think they're there, man. I I know I, I hear your argument about the back-to-back -back Super Bowls, but, I mean, look at what you just rattled off. Five AFC championship, five consecutive AFC championship games, three Super Bowl appearances, two wins. Like, it's one thing when you win that first Super Bowl, but when you win that second one, like, you solidify yourself, yeah. right? And this team, as long as Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, and Andy Reid, right, I'm going to throw all three of them there in that same category. They're on this team. You could put anyone on that offense, and they're going to make it work. Right. If they continue to improve on that defensive side of things, geez, man, it's going to be real tough beating the Chiefs anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, you look at that here. I mean, like, we haven't had a repeat champion in the NFL since, like, the Patriots back in the Super Bowls 38 39 here. You know, that's going to be highly motivated for Kansas City next year say, hey, we need to do that to sort of, like, put our place even further in the history books. Oh, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if KC's back there next year or or if they if they miss a year the year following. I mean, they are going to be the, the cream of the crop top of the AFC for years to come as long as Patrick Mahomes is running the show there. But I think in terms of dynasty, they're right there. I mean, listen, it's tough to win one Super Bowl. All right. I, I just saw Patrick Mahomes win his second Super Bowl, right? I've gone as a Packer fan 20 plus years with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks combined yeah. win two Super Bowls. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. I mean, like, we all these great quarterbacks, like, have won one, whether it's Aaron Rodgers you brought up here, Drew Brees can never get the second one, Russell Wilson's had trouble getting the second one here. I mean, Ben got two, Brady obviously know about him, man took a long time to get the second, Pat Mahomes got two this fast, is also very impressive. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, in terms of a legacy, you know, not that he needed a second Super Bowl to cement his legacy, but geez, I can't believe we're talking about legacy, the kid's still in his 20s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah phenomenal yeah let's go to philly for a minute here i mean i also want to give props to Jalen hurts i think arguably had the best performance of losing quarterback in super bowl history here i mean he's 
running for 70 yards, three touchdowns. Those were three over 300 yards with a 45-yard touchdown bomb to A.J. Brown. There's not much that Jalen Hurts could have done differently to really help the Eagles win that game. No, and if there was, like, any slight inclination or uncertainty of Jalen Hurts and him being a franchise quarterback or leading this team, even with this loss, that should be out the door. Jalen Hurts balled out on Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, it, it was unfortunate that, you know – what ends up being the difference maker long-term, obviously that, that penalty played a huge role, but that first half fumble, huge, huge, but you can't take away his performance. He, I thought he was great. If you're a Philly fan, you should be really excited. You should be really excited because he's going to be there for a while. And he, he clearly showed that he is talented and he's got weapons around. Yeah. So, I, I really I really think uh, hurts, you know, obviously a lot easier said than done. Keep that head up high. The Eagles are going to be there again soon. I also love his attitude after the game. He's talking to the reporters here. He didn't really throw anybody on the bus. Say, hey, you know, like either you win or you learn. We learned a lot here today, but we'll be back. Basically, he was very, like, very low key, very confident, like in his team. I felt, felt good about that. Yeah, you got to respect that. You got to respect that. And, you know, he, he rose to the occasion. He stepped up. He stepped up. He played. He went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's not an easy test to do. Yeah, one thing I feel like I got to talk about also with the Eagles that does bother me a lot. I feel like you feel the same way here. They're they're proficiency with the quarterback sneaks here where basically they line up this, basically the victory formation. They have two guys behind Jalen Hurts to shove them over the line here. The NFL needs to look at that. That's not football. That's a rugby scrum. That's not the – I don't think this should be in the game. Yeah, I know. that. That's definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to kind of uh, see if the NFL does anything about. And it's not just Philly. I mean, I mean, Philly does a great job with it, but you see it all the time when you need an inch or so that, you know, you have two big guys behind and they're just literally carrying the quarterback forward to get that that inch or that yard that they need. I'm with you. I don't love it, right? There's There's got to be a better way. What you know? And it's interesting because I don't remember seeing this as often years ago, right? I just remember the casual, you know, quarterback sneak. Uh, with not guys pushing, but I, I'm, I'm, I would really be curious. And if anyone knows this, you know, to send me a link, send you a link to see when this really started, or has this always been a thing? Because I feel like it's become more and more popular. I, I don't love it. I, I don't love it. I think Philly sort of broke this a little bit because I think this is really once Jalen Hurst came in last year, I started doing this a bit and then really took it to the next level this year. Cause I mean, I know you're talking about the old school quarterback sneaks. Like Tom Brady was an expert at this, like just like lining up and finding the right hole, diving forward for what the six inches getting the first down. Like this is not, that's not the same thing as having two big linemen behind you or a tight end, just shoving you forward for the thing. That's not, that's not really what the idea here. Totally, totally. But it's like, what does the NFL do, right? What do they do? You're not allowed to run that formation. It's an illegal formation, like, or, you know, what? What's the, what's the goal? What can they potentially do with this? My guess would be like there's sort of like some sort of like penalty written in the books here, like that you can't like push the guy forward, that like you get like a five yard penalty if you do that or something like that. So no, no forward progress if if the player is pushed, maybe. Yeah, it's like again, like it's, I mean, it's a tricky area. Or nowhere asking a lot of officials already. You know, like a judge always oh, says intentional push, where there's a guy kind of pushed into the guy, but like. It's blatant. Well, I, think, yeah. I mean, I think it's different. I think it's pretty blatant if, like, you have two guys that are lined up behind you and you're actively going forward with him in front. I think, you know, that's pretty obvious. But I don't know. Maybe they do they, they do something similar to the slide that if, you know, you're, you're actively pushing from behind, it's, you know, the play's dead. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see, see what they do about that. Which shout out to Jarek McKinnon who, you know, a lot of people probably hate money-wise, but, yeah. man, smart football move not going into the uh, end zone right there. 
Yeah, I love Greg Olson, too, during the broadcast. He's calling out his ring. you got to get down. you got to get down. And he immediately goes down here. I feel bad for him, too, because you know that, like, once Tom Brady decides he wants to go in that booth, he's going to be dropped to number two. He's losing, I think, like $7 million in salary with that. Job. Yeah, you know what, though? When it comes to Greg Olson, like, he proved himself. He he was He's incredible in the booth. Like, he definitely has a role, and he's going to have a prominent job in, in sports media with the NFL. Like, he, he killed it. I thought he did excellent this season. My guess is whenever Collinsworth hangs it up at NBC, Fox is going to call NBC is going to call Fox and ask and try and get Olsen out them to be their number one guy. Yeah, it could definitely could. I could definitely see that happening. I mean, you know, it sucks. Obviously, he's going to have to take that back seat once Tom Brady's ready. But hey, he he proved himself. He had a huge year, and you know, this was a contract year for Olsen, yeah. right? He's yeah. getting paid. Don't worry. Yeah, I hope I hope Brady actually is as good at this as if people think he will, because from what I've been reading, people think he's actually gonna put the work in to be good at. It. Unlike Romo, who's sort of fallen off from like the, his first year, I feel like I don't know if you heard the storylines about like how like CBS sent like people to Romo's like home in Dallas, saying like you need to work harder on this. He apparently didn't follow what they wanted him to do. Yeah, you know, I kind of got I like the Romo sh- uh, early on, but now I've kind of. I've had enough of the shtick, like yeah. the predicting what's going to happen or watch this, watch this. Like, just let me watch the game. Yeah. All right. Let me watch the game. I don't, I don't know what to expect with, uh, with Tom Brady, to be honest with you. Yeah. Right. I have no idea. I mean, we've seen him interview. We see how he commands, uh, press conferences. Um, I feel like he won't have any issues in that sense, but, uh, it'll be interesting to hear him in the booth. Certainly will here and wrap up the Super Bowl here with the Eagles situation here. I mean, Philly, I feel like this team, like, they have a bunch of free agents, especially the defensive line this season. I feel like this is a team that's set up to be in the mix for a long time here. Yeah, I mean, I think they got to kind of keep together that nucleus that they had, figure out a way to keep t- together uh, the guys that helped them get there. I mean, the one disappointing thing um, from this Super Bowl, from the Eagles' side, is that that defensive line was completely, you know, a no-show. Zero sacks. I mean, that's crazy. If you would have told me at the beginning of the game where there was a prop bet that the Eagles would have – uh, zero sacks. Uh, I would have definitely not taken that. I would have said absolutely. They're they're getting after Patrick Mahomes at least once. I mean, I even took a prop bet that there'd be a sack before a touchdown. Yeah, didn't hit. Right, Eagles march right down the field. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I think if I'm the Eagles, I do everything that I can to uh, bring back as many people as I can, keep that uh, defensive line intact and, and strong, and I continue to build the offensive line. You know, I, I know it's a passing league now, but uh, offensive line is everything in the NFL. Yeah, plus, I mean, they have three guys in that offensive line who are big free agents, including Brandon Graham, Hargrave, and Fletcher Cox. But the good for them is that thanks to these very dumb trade the Saints made last year, trade up for Chris Olave, they have the 10th pick of the trap. So the Philly's going to get more loaded again. Yeah, I mean, they're, you hit, you do well in the draft. You know, you, you could get a difference maker on a team that was just in the Super Bowl, which is incredible to do. Yeah, you absolutely. Pull that off. Yeah, it's literally insane here. And now let's get to the offseason a little bit here. Before we get there, though, I do want to sort of close the book on our over-unders here because this one did come down to the wire. So I'm going to put – What do we have? I'm going to put, I'm going to put the, uh, the logo up, the doc up here that I tracked it up here. On the year, you end up going two and four because the Steeler late surge cost you dearly. They managed to hit the over somehow. Of course. Yeah. You went two and four. I went three and three, so I did win once again, barely. Barely, yeah. barely, yeah. The, and you the, got my you got my number on the over on there. Yeah, this was a was a much tighter one than last year was. Definitely, yeah. it, it definitely was. Well, I mean, yeah, the Steelers really really did a number on me, huh? 
Yeah, I thought like when you were two, it's like, oh, Joe's got that one in the bag. I'm like, Joe's got like that one, like, like Marth laughing to the bank on the way home. And instead they win like, what, five of their last six to get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Yikes. Yeah. The hey, there's, the, o- there's, always, there's always next season. There always is. And this will be fun when we do it again next year. Hold on. Wait a second now. Am I reading this correctly? You had a real rough year in the picks, huh? Well, I did finish. Pre- this is from uh, Christmas when we were on here, so. Oh, okay, okay. I did round. I, I did. I did finish pretty strong. I got. I, I was like. I think it was like one hundred five hundred by the end of the year. So. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, that's a that's a big surge late because looking at that eighteen and twenty six and one, not so hot, Mike. Not so hot. No, definitely not so hot here. And I feel like a couple offseason things. I want don't want to go too deep on it because I feel like there's a lot of mystery here. But I think the big things I want to start with here, the quarterback carousel is gonna be a lot of fun because I mean, obviously, you got your guy going off on his uh, darkness retreat for a couple of days, decide he wants to play football next year, Derek Carr, Garoppolo, Tannehill. There's a lot of dominoes in, in the in the air here. Should I shut the lights so <laughs> I could join my, my compadre? Yeah, we can have, we, we we have our own darkness retreat. Okay, should I, would you like me to shut them when I could give you my decision on what I think is going to happen? No, I mean, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that – there's a lot of, of moving pieces going on. I mean – I don't even know where to begin when it comes to Rogers. I think that his time in green Bay is done. Um, I really do. Uh, it, it pains me to say this, but you know, I think it's time for that organization to kind of rip the bandaid off and, and see what you got. I mean, you drafted this guy, Jordan love. You don't know what he is. You're going to have to pay him. Um, it's inevitable. Right. And also it's kind of getting, I'm tired of the, the drama every off season at this point. And it's just so eerily, eerily similar to what happened with Brett Favre, and yeah. I, I'm over it. Like, all right, you want to go to the Jets? By all means, yeah. go to the Jets. You want to go to the Raiders? Go ahead, go to the Raiders. Honestly, I think he ends up with the Jets. Yeah. I really do. Um, That'd be freaky deja vu that happened again. Yeah, it would be really, really strange, but, like, what else would be better than Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets and winning a Super Bowl for the Jets, something that Brett Favre couldn't do? Like, oh, my God, I would be – I would go on a darkness retreat for about a month. <laughs> and in, in, in the, regards to Brett Favre, I mean, people for people talk about how it ended, but I mean, Brett Favre was eight and three with the Jets, had them on top of the AFC. And if he didn't be like, oh, use his massive ego, insist he keeps playing through an elbow injury, fully impact ability to throw the football, I think they would have been in much better shape. Oh, without a doubt, I, that that's something that not a lot of people talk about. Um, the thing is, is like obviously the Packers, if they do move him, they're moving him to the AFC. Like that's yeah. not a, a up for debate. With that being said, like. It's going to be tough. I mean, Aaron Rodgers obviously didn't play his best football this past season. Is he done? No. But is he that same MVP quarterback? I don't think so. I I, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if he had such a, a great year at an, in a new home. But, I mean, think about some of the quarterbacks that you're going up against. I mean, if you end up going to the Raiders, which I don't think this is going to happen. I mean, look at the quarterbacks in that division alone. You got, luck. you got Mahomes and Herbert, and maybe if, if Peyton affects Russell Wilson, that's a, that's a very rough division. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about. And just in the AFC, I mean, you have all those that you just need, plus plus more. So it's going to be tough, but uh, right now it just seems like the Jets are, are, are destination number one, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, for me, I'd be shocked that Jets don't end up with somebody in that bucket of Rodgers, Carr, Garoppolo. I'd be shocked it's not one of those three. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, what the Jets are doing right now is they're bringing every single possible assistant, offensive coordinator, special coach on their on their staff that has any link to a veteran quarterback. It's like it's kind of like hilarious. Yeah. You have obviously the connection with Jimmy Garoppolo and Salah. You got the connection with Nathaniel Hackett and Rodgers. 
They just brought in uh, an offensive pass game specialist from Tennessee in the hopes of what getting Ryan Tannehill. Like he's also coached they, Derek Carr. Yeah, and he's coached Derek Carr exactly. <laughs> so like you have your hand in every single potential person. But I will say this: there's a big drop off there. Yeah, you end up with Aaron Rodgers, okay, but if you end up with Carr or Tannehill, you know how much better you really are. I mean, they, they, I think they get average quarterback play. I think they're in the playoffs, and they're, like, in the mix if things break their way. But I think if Rodgers the best shot at being a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, but, I mean, like, okay, you get average quarterback play, and you're in the playoffs. What does that mean? Like, is the goal to make the playoffs? Like, that's the debate here. Like, the goal is never just to make the playoffs. And that's why people say I'm spoiled as a as a Packers fan because I'm, I'm constantly seeing winning seasons and my team in the playoffs. But what does that mean if you don't win? My team hasn't made the playoffs in 12 years. I think the playoffs are Yeah, I mean, of course. So a playoff appearance would be great, and you're going to be happy that they made the playoffs. But if you keep making the playoffs for seven straight years, let's just say, after, and you don't have a Super Bowl, then at, at, at some point it gets tiresome. Like, oh, great. We're a competitive team. We're in the playoffs, but we still can't win the big game. I don't know. If if I'm running a team, the, the purpose of, of, of getting my roster is to win a Super Bowl, not to make the playoffs, whether I've made it, 10 years, 20 years straight, or if I missed it 12 years straight. Like, you want to you want to compete for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think the easy answer here, I feel like, is, like, this. whoever they get is a bridge to whoever they, they think their next long-term guy is. I wouldn't be shocked if they do the, we're going to get a veteran here, he plays for two, three years, and then, like, we're going to draft somebody in the middle rounds to develop that guy, hoping he's ready. Yeah, I mean, that could very well be the case. You know, that there's no, and no matter who they end up with here, you know, it's not a long-term solution. I mean, whoever, whether it's Rodgers, Carr, Tannehill, what? Three years tops for either of those, for any of those three. Yeah, Jimmy G put in that bucket too. I feel like he's also in the in the play for them. Yeah, and and Jimmy G as well. Yeah, I will say in terms of the correct thing, I think you guys are making the right call to move on from Rodgers. He does not, if he does have to come back and not retire, which I don't think he will. I think his ego's too big to share the same Hall of Fame class as Tom Brady. I feel like he's going to want yeah, to no, have that, that, That's definitely not happening. He's not sharing that Hall of Fame class with Tom Brady. There's no way that is happening. Yeah, he's he's playing football. Yeah, he's, I'd I'd be shocked if he's not. Yeah. But uh, I think he's playing. I just don't think he's playing in Green Bay. And you know what? I'm curious to see what this whole like darkness, you know, retreat thing is. I'm hoping. I'm hoping he gets out of the dark and he he just lets everybody know. He's I like, don't want this to continue. Let's start the off season and start planning ahead. Plus, I feel like the Packers need to avoid doing falling in the trap the Saints have that keeps on kicking the can down the road of the salary cap and just sort of like not putting out. They're just putting out average team and trying to slap band aids on the roster with an like, average quarterback. Like. Like, I feel like the Packers should just, like, sort of let Love play and sort of, like, fix their cab and then see if it, what they have in him and move, on, and move on. I mean, I really thought that this season was the perfect season to kind of see where what you have in him. You know, when you were really – when they were a four-win team, like, I didn't think they had a chance to, to make a playoff, to get into the playoffs. So now you're playing your final game of the season with a chance to make the playoffs, which is wild. But, you know, at that point, not that you want to throw in – uh, throwing the flag, but it's like that would have been a perfect opportunity to really see and give him like, like uh, a substantial amount of time, not just all oh, Aaron Rodgers has COVID. So let's throw Jordan Love in against the Chiefs and see what we got. I mean, that's not enough of a sample size. And I don't want to hear all oh, preseason. Yeah. Right. My concern, though, is that they would have already probably moved on if they thought Jordan Love was that guy. And I, I have a feeling he's going to be okay. But I mean, I, I don't know. I really have no idea. One of those will be off the roster. I feel like if you don't, if Rodgers decides he's going to come back to Green Bay, you guys accept him. I think you're going to trade Jordan Love. I don't think you can sit and let the asset depreciate even more. 
Well, I, I think at that point, if I'm Jordan Love, I'm saying I need to uh, get me out of here. Like yeah. I want to play football. Yeah. Like, and if you're Green Bay, how are you going to sign him without having him, you know, a single snap? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think if if Rogers returns, Jordan Love is gone. Which then you circle back to that draft, and you said what what could have been, right? What could have been? You know, we were that close to the Super Bowl. If you would have built the roster a little bit better in that draft, rather than you know GM taking control of you know drafting his guy could have been a different situation that we're talking about right now. Yeah. Real quick. We'll wrap up here on the local teams here. Besides the Jets, besides the quarterback, what else do you need to look at this off season? From the Jets, I'm building that offensive line. Yeah. And if you bring in Aaron Rodgers, you better build that offensive line. Yeah. You don't build that offensive line. Even with Rodgers back there, you're going to have some trouble. Yeah. They got a lot of good skill position players, obviously good running back. Um, but if you don't protect them, it is going to be some trouble. It's not going to be that easy. He's not. He doesn't move like he used to move. Yeah, I feel like it's really the offensive line. Which the good thing with Rodgers coming, I feel like there are people, there'll be some good players who take discounts to come play with him and chase a ring, which would be, which would help. I do feel like that's an option. And you also look at, I think the middle of the defense, the sexy, the safeties, and the linebacker. But they do need work on both those areas as well. Yeah, totally, totally. But I think you you build that offensive line. Not only does it help Rodgers um, uh, immediately if he ends up there. But let's say he doesn't, like a good offensive line could turn a mediocre quarterback and make him look half decent if they have enough time to throw the ball. Yeah, plus they have a great Swiss Army knife, and Elijah Vera Tucker comes back from the biceps injuries. Like he could play Correct. either tackle spot or guard, depending on how you want to construct the line. Which will be huge upon his return. Yeah, and Giants, well, I feel like the obvious thing here is Jones and Barkley. I got to figure out what to do with both of them. I feel like Jones is definitely going to be back. Barkley is more 50 50, depending on how the market of the running backs goes. I feel like bring Jones back, get him more weapons, and sort of build, keep building the roster around them. Yeah, yeah, I think you said that perfectly. Like, there's this season proved that Jones deserves to be that quarterback. You know, he bought himself some more time. Um, I thought he played excellent. He made the the proper adjustments and, and improved tremendously under new new coach, new management. Um, but now you got to support him. You know, now you got to support him. Give him someone a reliable target that he can go to on a consistent basis. And then on the defensive side, I mean, I would look at you know an inside linebacker to improve. They got to improve on stopping the run. They got to get better in that in that category. If they do that, I mean, listen, both of these New York teams turned it around big time this season. Expectations are really high. Yeah, I think the Giants still do need more talent, especially on the outside. Because I mean, like, I feel like this year was a lot of smoke and mirrors from Dable, but the schedule's gonna be tougher next year. I feel like you can't run into next year and have like Isaiah Hodges and Richie James being in your top three receivers and having success. I feel like you got to get more talent around the quarterback. No, no way, no way. You got to you got to give you got to give Daniel Jones someone that he could go to and rely on on when he's in a pinch and and that's not disrespecting the guys that are on the roster right now that play that played their asses off by any means but you know get now now it's time to surround them surround them with some with some with some ball players and then see where you go from there absolutely joe thanks for all the time really appreciate it. if you want to follow your football takes on twitter how can i do that yeah they could give me a follow on twitter at joe double underscore d-a-l-o-i-s-i-o yeah don't forget that double always you won't find him you won't find me mike you won't find me yeah, you'll be in the dark as Aaron Rodgers otherwise. You know what? I'm about to shut the lights now. So, okay. All right, Joe. Thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Welcome to Dunkin' and New Special. Dunkin' Run, medium or large coffee. Get a donut for an incremental dollar. Well, well, like, how can it be this inexpensive and good? Sugar. I'm just going to have to just give you 10 munchkins. You look a little lost. One second. I'm trying to find the bagels. Do I look familiar? Oh. Should I be in it or you want to just want you. a self-portrait? What are you doing here? 
Embarrassing me. If I'm Is like, this what you do when you say you want to work all day? I, I gotta go, guys. Grab me a glaze. All right, we are back here on the annual Super Bowl commercial halftime special here on the podcast. Joining me today to break it all. And after you just heard this, the first commercial of the game, the Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts commercial, our pop culture correspondent here, Sam DeRosa. Sam, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me back. It's annual tradition here. We talked to Joe D a few minutes ago about the game. Now we're going to dive into the halftime of the commercials. Oh, you know, always good to follow up with Joe. Yeah. Yeah, we had a fun time talking about this game. And now I think we're going to have a... I think this is the most complete package of halftime commercials we've had. I think in the five years we've been doing this. Yeah, honestly, it feels like it's more positive than negative this year. Yeah, it certainly has here, including the fact that, you know, we actually had a good football game overall. I think it's probably of the of the five games. Yeah, probably the best of the five as well. Yeah, so you know what? Maybe uh, 2023 is a nice turning point for everything. Yeah, that would be good. I was excited this whole way through here. And then I did tweet out during the game, especially when Mahomes got hurt at the end of the first half. I said, Rihanna's going to save Patrick at home because it's extended halftime gave him time to get a lot of treatment and rest on that ankle. Yeah, I mean, that was rough to watch him go down. I mean, I was rooting for the Eagles, but you don't like to see a player go down like that, especially in the Super Bowl. I know, of course, he was going to come back. He had the whole, he has all offseason to feel better. He said the same thing. He's like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to, you know, set the last two quarters of the last game of the season. I'm going to play through it. Like, I'm literally, unless like my ankle's broken, I'm going to play. Exactly, or like it's fallen off completely. Yeah, well, the game the game subject is talk is up in the beginning of the podcast. If you happen to skip here first, go back and listen to that. You don't hear the game. But assuming you're here for halftime commercials, I think, again, fun set of stuff here. And I will tell you the party I was at here, it was like an event to Rihanna halftime show. Like all the lights were going out. People were so pumped for this. Yeah, no, I was excited uh, when they announced it was going to be Rihanna. And I was really excited uh, to watch it as well. But I'm very interested to hear all about your thoughts too on it. I got to say, like, first of all, like great job by her and like power move, basically revealing that she's pregnant again, like doing the show. That was also pretty awesome. Yeah. Except for the fact that we're not going to get new music. So yeah. that kind of sucks. Well, I mean, she could still record the album. She's probably not going out to her anytime soon though, but yeah, but she might wait. Who knows? She's awesome. She makes the best decisions for herself, but I know a lot of people who are like, Oh, so exciting. She's pregnant. And then also like, oh, we're not going to get a tour. We might not get new music. So it was like uh, such a mixed bag of feelings. Yeah, I also have to say, too, in terms of all the halftime shows I can remember here, I think Rihanna squeezed the most songs in the halftime show of anybody I can ever remember. Yeah. What did she do? 13 songs in 12 minutes? Yeah, she got she got pulled parts of 13 songs in 12 minutes. Yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah. And I did sort of feel like also like, she was on point in terms of like the vocals and stuff. Like she did not miss a beat on any of them. No, it was really great. And <laughs> I don't know if you saw the hilarious um, memes that came out of her set, like not her singing set, like the set for. The stage. Yeah. Oh, that was, I thought that was so funny. One CSC, it's a Super Smash Bros. set up. I, I, actu I actually had that one ready to go here. That's, uh, I'm going to share oh, the screen so of that good. right right now. This is the Super, Super Smash Brothers stage for Rihanna. Oh my god, yes, I saw that. That was amazing. Yeah. I like how they included Bowser. Yeah, it was a lot it was a lot of fun that stage here. And I do think in terms of my personal being in the show, like I thought she was great. I thought the show itself in terms of like the staging and like what was going on here, I felt like they could have done more. Yeah, it was very simple. Um But like, you know, like it is what it is. I feel like last year I liked last year's like a little bit better i guess just because of the different 
artist. But like for her just doing it all by herself, she totally held her own. Yeah, and he also, there was no surprise guest. There was no like random cameo popping well, in here. There was a surprise guest. We just haven't met that baby yet. Yeah, no, like no musical surprise guest. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is not like Missy Ellie showing up in the Katy Perry halftime show. Yes. Oh, <laughs> love her. Yeah, I did think it was a, definitely a interesting use of the stage here. I do feel like it was solid. I mean, this is not like this is better than like the weekend getting lost in the box a couple of years ago than the pandemic Super Bowl. But like, I feel like this one, I feel like like I wonder like how is this Rihanna's choice sort of like center it like that way with the rising and lowering of the stage. But I did think like we could she did pop. But I feel like they could have done a little more in terms of like actually staging it. Yeah, I mean, I'm always curious about how much like the artist has influence in it. So if that was her vision, there it is. I don't know anything about performing, so. Yeah, I think I still think I think this is obviously better than the weekend. I feel like this is better than a lot of the recent ones, but I still think I would take last year's over because again, you have met before a variety of the artists, the stages they did were very creative. Each of them had their own sort of setup on the LA streets. I thought that was more fun in terms of the like overall aesthetic. Yeah, I was talking um, with my friend about it, and she switched recording companies. So I'm also curious if she lost some of her. Um, like ability to perform some of the songs yeah. like her early music um the only problem i had with it was they i under again I, for you know clarification i do understand why you know certain songs are picked like all the lights like run this town uh you know it's like more hype music but i didn't enjoy all the lights because that is a kanye song yeah that's... I, was, I know it's her part but i'm just like eh. Yeah, you would have taken that one out of the rotation if you were up to, if you were directing it. Yeah, not even that. Like if I was in the creative room, be like, are we sure we want to put a little bit of a Kanye song out there? But I haven't heard any like backlash from it. No, I don't think people were bothered by it as much uh, that much in that sense. I guess I was just like, that's an interesting call. It was an interesting call here. I also feel like in terms of the like aesthetics of the actual show, like I mentioned before, I think that was very interesting as well. I do think in terms of gray, I feel like it's you know. I think it's a B plus show. I feel like we've seen better. I don't think like I, we definitely see a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have given it probably like a B at most. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's like an A plus on the vocals and like a C on the stage. Yeah. I would say A for vocals, of course, and A for dancing while you're yeah. pregnant. That yeah. can't be easy. Also being like lifted in the air and down like that, like that's, I mean, like, I like I think that'd be cool, but I'd also be terrified. Yeah, the thing I think it also sort of struck it for me a little bit, like, docked doc a little bit for me in terms of the grade. I feel like that Fox itself sort of had no idea what they were doing. I don't remember how many times they just cut to the outside of the state with the fireworks going off in the middle of the thing, which sort of, like, started getting like, at least 400 points I thought it was going to be over, and then they just kept going. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I guess whoever provided the fireworks wanted some, you know, screen time, I guess. <laughs> I also point out in Rihanna's events, also, this is the first year that we have Apple Music doing the halftime show. And for the last, like, maybe, like, 20 years was Pepsi. So, maybe it's their yeah. first show. Maybe they had some kinks to work out in terms of, like, design and all that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll do it next year as well. So, we'll we'll have to come back to this and see if it was them or if they got better or they just stayed the same. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of next year, who are you thinking here in terms of, like, targets here? I... Where is it going to be held next year? Do you remember? It's in Vegas. Oh, God. 
Oh my God, they should do a whole Vegas show. It should just be all like old timey people. Uh, You know what? If it's in Vegas, I want Cher to headline. How can you not have Cher do Vegas? I feel like they, like going old school is a very definite temptation because a lot of these people have like residencies in Vegas towards the end of their careers. So I could see that angle. Like an interlude with them and whoever's the performer. I also feel like you got to go big for Vegas. And I feel like you have to have like a big, big name for Vegas. So I will again, for about the fifth year in a row, throw it out here. Taylor Swift has still not done this. So I don't, do you think that she'll want to be in Vegas? Maybe she's waiting for like a bigger, like if they have it in New York again or something. Well, I mean, Vegas is a pretty big stage for like an, for an entertainer. I know, but then you said it too, like that's where artists go to die. Maybe she, that will be a little bit of a sad thing for her. Is it between like going and head, heading up a, a uh, thing at the uh, at the at the Caesar's Palace out there, as opposed to like being in a midfield at Allegiant Stadium with like a hundred and ten million people watching you? Yeah. Ugh. Well, maybe, maybe this year you'll be right with Taylor. I've been like I said, I feel like it's a matter of time. I know, I know before the issue was the contract. I think she has like a deal with Coke, so she couldn't do the Pepsi halftime shows. Now that that's gone, maybe she can do it. Yeah, with Apple Music. She's not solely there for Spotify, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, well, hey, now it's even bigger, a bigger chance. Yeah, plus she's coming off the tour for the new album, so maybe like that, maybe you can build some more hype off it. Yeah, but Cher better be there, or else I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> there will be multiple cameos of people in next year's show. Call that for a fact. Whoever the, yeah. art, whoever the headliner is, will be, bringing pe- will be bringing friends along. Yeah, well, hopefully, unless Apple Music just wants one person. They're yeah. like, we can afford one person, one person only. I'm sure the NFL puts the bill. You think? I'm sure they do. They hire them to do this, so. All right. Well, maybe. Yeah, that's that's one thing here. Next next up here, I want to go to the commercials. I think overall the commercials, I feel like, much more, like, memorable group of commercials, I feel like, than we've had in recent years. Yeah, and less, uh, less gross. I feel like I wasn't really gross grossed out. Yeah. Unless I blocked things out from like 24 hours ago. I mean, the closest to the gross ass scale would be like the weird thing they did with like uh, Brie Larson, John Hamm in the fridge. Oh, yeah, that was just weird. I thought it was funny because it was like LOL, Brie and Ham, but. Yeah, yeah it's just not, we're not, we're not doing mid mobile again. We're not having the, uh, the, the uh, guy singing in the field. We don't have any, we don't have any of those weird commercials this year. Yeah. Or that sour milk or whatever. Yeah, that was the mid mobile. Yeah. 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 Let's get to obviously here. We'll start with some of the notable ads here. I will point out for the New York audience here in the local market, the New York Mets did buy a commercial for it. And I did pull the commercial. I'm going to play here in case you haven't run to the bathroom towards the end of the first quarter. But here's what the Mets put on the air for about $276,000. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. New York Mets ticket center. This is Brandon. Section 139. Yeah, you can see my hair from there. Got it. Yeah, it's not a real ghost. It's not a ghost. Now, you hang up. Your tickets are confirmed. Yes, they're closer. Yeah, that's the Mets ad here. And they had a corresponding deal they drove you to the website where I think they had a deal, things like of tickets like one, two, or four for fifty-seven dollars. Like so, that was a pretty solid offer here. I did think it was just fun for the message we're getting the game here and uh, get some of these players involved in this commercial. Yeah, no, I thought that was cute. Um, it was weird that they used like always sunny music. Yeah. Um, but my favorite part was when Mister Met just broke the headset. Yeah. I was like, lol. But uh, 
Brandon was my favorite because he seemed the most excited about acting. Yeah. Yeah, like he really got into his part in the commercials here. I did think Lindor was funny too when he was like talking to uh, the guy. He's like, no, you hang up. Like, Yeah, that yeah. was cute. Yeah. And I give credit to Kodai Senga too for zooming in from Japan to do his spot in the commercial because everybody else was at Port St. Lucie. They filmed it in one of the offices down there, but he was not, he's not in the States yet. So he, when they filmed it, so he zoomed in to be part of the commercial. Hey, he wants to be like a big part of the team. So this is, that's some like good, uh, a good sign. Yeah. Good sign here. And I'm curious to see if the Mets get how many, how well they do with the ticket sales off of this ad, how many people they got to uh, go on their site after this. Yeah. Uh, especially if, uh, Mr. Cohen fronted such a hefty bill for them. I was reading an article in The Athletic about this commercial a couple, I think last week when they announced it was happening. And they sort of said that, like, for most teams, like, $276,000 is, like, a significant portion of your year-long advertising budget. And Steve Cohen obviously has made of money, and that's one of the areas where you're not really paying a luxury tax for. He said, let's be creative, find more ways to get our brand known. That's a good, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, or... Yeah, I guess he's just trying to appeal more to the masses, which is kind of nice, like make his players more, uh, you know, approachable. Yeah, absolutely. Here, I did love the trope. Like you say, Brand Nimble also started off with the I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. It was also very funny. Yes, it was very cute. That was like my favorite part. Besides Mr. Met breaking the headset with his soulless eyes. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the heads, the heads, move on to the other part here. So you mentioned this off the air. I'll bring it up here. A lot of trailers in this Super Bowl here. I remember off the top of my head, Fast 10 was the first one I saw. There was a Guardians of the Galaxy spot. There was a Creed 3, a couple other ones. The Flash was a big deal. Like, which of these trailers got your attention the most? Okay, well, I mean, you brought it up last, but the Flash, Michael Keaton, he's <laughs> back as Batman? Yeah. Holy moly, I didn't know that was happening. Yeah, there's a lot going on with that movie. I mean, aside from Ezra Miller, but like... This is supposedly the movie where they're going to sort of, I know James Gunn has sort of said this is the movie that resets the DC universe to like sort of reboot it into like his vision of it. So I think back like uh, Affleck's in that one. They have Michael Keaton's Batman's in that one. There's a lot of things going on in that movie. The Keaton back is fun. Yeah. The only thing I remember watching and I'm like, Oh God, I forgot Ezra Miller's the flash. I forgot he's getting a stupid movie. I'm like, definitely not going to go see it. And then boom, Michael Keaton at the end. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. I have to go see this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and my gauge is commercials. I was, I back this year at the big Super Bowl party I go to every year. There's about 30, 40 people at this party. My judge for how successful thing is, like, if you can break through the talk of the room and people are, like, got your attention here, like, that's a big deal. And The Flash is the one that, of the trailers really got people's attention. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm also excited for Fast 10. Not yeah. going to lie. It seems insane and crazy, like, normal. But I'm like, wow, they've really made 10 movies, huh? Yeah, that one is the other one that sort of popped out of the crowd here. Because obviously, I mean, the big deal is like Jason Momoa and Brie Larson being in this movie. So, yeah, I mean, no offense to Brie Larson. I know we were just talking about her, but I was just like so excited for Jason. Yeah. Just so excited. Yeah, Jason Momoa feels like a natural fit for that movie. Yeah, I'm very interested to see. I felt like there was a lot of like, oh, the full trailer's out online now. Like, you go see it now. Go online and see it. Like, it's just, I don't know. It was just like, just made make a better trailer that we can just see here and then just release it a different day yeah well i mean that's the whole idea is like hey go drive traffic to your thing and like we'll, we'll see how successful i know people were still talking about the flash today about how crazy that trailer was yeah we were talking about that at work today too yeah. we were like holy moly like uh we were also talking about the whole ezra miller thing which nobody really knew about which was crazy yeah let's go let's shift back to the ads here so like what do you think were your, what were your favorite ads here 
Um, my favorite was definitely Duncan, um, JLo's spot, because I feel like JLo dates people and I end up liking her people she dates more. Um, I also thought it was funny that they brought back the E-Trade babies. Yeah. The E-Trade wedding. I like, yeah, I was like, when when I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I really liked that one. Um, I liked the Kevin Hart one, weirdly. Yeah. That one was a little uh, over the top and weird, but I enjoyed it. I got a little chuckle out of it. Um, and then uh, Will Ferrell, the Will Ferrell one with the whatever car company, Chevrolet. It was it was GM and Stranger. It was GM and Netflix. It's about how GM uses using GM electric vehicles and Netflix shows. Yes, which I was like, that's an interesting thing. And then I was like, where are they going with this? And then it was weird but yeah i liked those there was a few others but i'll have you share yours yeah the will ferrell one was interesting and i did like i remember the big shots obviously him being dusted in stranger things and like having prius and claire's erica there just like saying like dude you're not even you're ruining the whole show and then like him and squid game is also hilarious yes i think that part was great like i feel like will ferrell in squid games would be a very interesting take I did. I did. I watched all these ads back as long as I had the full context of it. I did laugh so hard when he said, "Like you're going to be abducted by a strange, very like, a brutal like death competition. Why not do it in style, electric vehicle?" I just started laughing. Yeah, no, that was really funny. Yeah, some other ones I'll throw out here in terms of ones that I, I that I liked here a lot. I will say the the farmer's dog commercial, like that commercial, got everybody who has a soul like watching that commercial. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the reason I, I didn't want to list that one because I thought the dog was going to die the entire time. So I didn't like how it played with my emotions too much. So I left that one off my list. But that it was a good one. It was a, it was a very, like, how old is that dog? I feel like that dog is, like, so old. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to do the math here. Like, how old do you think the kid is when she gets the dog? About, like, 10? I guess. I had to bump it up to, like, 12. Like, I was, like, just for the sake, for argument's sake. Cause I'm gonna say she's let's say she's ten. She meets her like meets her fiance in college. They get married. Then they have a kid by twenty five. The dog's fifteen. Yeah, that's old for a lab. Yeah, that, that's a chocolate lab too. Those those usually don't live, have as long a lifespan. But there's guess what the farmer's dog is for. I guess, I guess so. The farmer's mm-hmm. dog will keep your chocolate lab alive a little longer. Yeah, come on, I'll throw out here in the highlights here. You catch the Sam Adams commercial about the nicer Boston. Um. I actually don't think I caught that one, to be honest with you. This is actually hysterical. They had a guy have a dream about Sam, about drinking Sam Adams, and then he goes to, like, a nicer version of Boston where, like, Kevin Garnett is telling people to spread love and not talk trash, and Red Sox fans are hugging Yankee fans, and the mob is picking up recycling. It's hysterical. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to – I ha- can't believe I missed that one. I feel like I, like, that didn't move at all during my uh, the Super Bowl off my couch from this spot right here. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I'll send that one to you after the fact. But, like, that that commercial stuck out to me a lot. That was a lot of fun. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, how weird was that Coors Light, um, Miller Light commercial? And it's like, actually, it's a Blue Moon commercial. I'm like, this is the stupidest commercial ever. Yeah, that one, I was confused watching it. Oh, my God. I don't know why. It's because you brought up Sam Adams. Like, it was like, before I forget, I forgot to bring that one up earlier off air. Yeah. I also I like the also the, the Bud Light commercial where like they where Miles Teller is like we're dancing to the holding song the holding tune. Oh, yeah, that one was really cute. That one was released like I felt like a week ago. This is like uh, like my biggest strife right now with Super Bowl commercials. They're all like ninety percent of them are out before the game. If you know where to yeah, find them, all over social media because I saw that like I don't know 
I had to be like almost a week ago. Yeah. A couple of lines. I'll throw, yep. I got a couple more. I'll throw out here. Get your take on these. Did you, what, what about the uh, breaking bad reunion for popcorners? Oh yeah. That was good. I, you know, I love uh, what's in his face. Um, I keep calling him Jesse and. Uh, um, oh, Aaron Paul. Yes. I love him. So mm-hmm. he's great too. And Brian Cranston's my all time favorite TV dad uh, for Malcolm in the middle and breaking bad. But like uh, that was, that was interesting. It was cute. Yeah, one that popped late in the game on like at the party I was at the Rand commercial for premature electrification. Oh, <laughs> that one was funny. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, that one like that like was one of the ones as I mentioned earlier that if you were at the party in the commercial, people stop and watch. You had success. That was one that everybody was like watching. Yeah, no, that was good. Yeah, I'll throw I go on the list here. I'm going that based on the athletics list here. A couple I forgotten in air during the game. T-Mobile one with Bradley Cooper and his mom was also pretty funny. Oh, yeah, that was cute. I mean, like, it was kind of lame, but, like, I thought it was cu- it was cute overall. Bradley Cooper's so weird to me. Yeah. Like, he's a weird dude. I did love the line that where he's, like, he's trying to teach mom how to act. Like, trust me, I've been nominated nine times for, for like, awards. He's like, you haven't won any. <laughs> that was great. I like how, like, he's, like, you have to look at me while she's reading the teleprompter. She yeah. goes, I am. I got one eye here, one eye here. Like, she's <laughs> so picky. It's so cute. Yeah. Uh, let's go the other way. Some ones that did not work to you. What do you think about like which ads like sort of blew it? Uh, I didn't. I did not enjoy that avocado one with Adam and Eve. That was. I was like, I don't get it. That was so weird. Avocados in Mexico usually does better commercials than this. Yeah, they really do. This is a big. It was a big letdown. And this whole time you're watching, you're like avocados that apples improves. What exactly in the world that everybody's just like enjoying, like you know, being nice and naked. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't, like, that's the part where I didn't get it. It's like, oh, like, she ate the apple, and then, but, like, avocados are great. But, and he's like, oh, my God, I'm naked. And now, like, avocados make it okay to be naked. Like, that's where I just feel like I lost the train of thought. Yeah, that one was in there. The Co- the Pepsi Zero ads, they got two of them with Steve with uh, Steve Martin and uh, Ben Still. I don't think either really worked. No, I, it, the premise was just weird. I mean, I love both actors equally actually that's a lie i love steve martin way more than ben stiller but i was just like okay like what about it yeah the i'll throw a couple more out here for any any other weird ones here i think here oh about the adam driver squarespace was also a little weird (laughs) that was weird i like was watching it i was like oh adam driver's in a commercial and then i was just like then i got on the whole then i thought about I feel like he's just like a weird dude in person and I didn't even pay attention to it because it didn't catch my attention at all. Yeah, it was basically Adam, like 7,000, basically an a Adam Driver was all the guys in the Matrix, like all the guys in the suits. That was basically the whole oh, thing. It was like a it's really a weird vibe. vibe. Yeah. It was a weird vibe. It was a weird vibe. I'll also throw out here a couple other ones. The Doritos one with uh, Jack Harlow playing the triangle did not land with me either. I like, there was only one part I liked in that uh, <laughs> commercial was when he's like trying to have the triangle player, I don't know what you call them. Like he's like, she goes ding, 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 ding. He goes, no, it's ding, 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 ding. Like it, it was so stupid. That was the only part I chuckled at. The only part I chuckled at is when he's up for the award and they end up giving it to Elton John. Oh yeah, and then Elton John shows up. I forgot, that was so random. Yeah, the helmets, what we talked a little about earlier here is that the whole like, that was, I that felt like that was like a very lame joke. Like, oh, it's Brie and John Hamm and like Pete Davidson's right over there because Pete Davidson's in everything. I know. I, I was like, so I think that's why I like the commercial, to be honest with you. I'm like, hey, it's Pete Davidson. Like, 
Speaking of Pete Davidson, did you watch the Christmas special of Murderville? The no, I've I only I know it's on it's a big TikTok thing. Clips, I saw the best clips basically. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it was so funny. His parts were great. Yeah, Pete Davidson shows up at the very, very end of it. And I think the clip went nuts on TikTok the week a week came out because like it's point I think like Pete it's like they're all I think they're all supposed to guess the murder. They give them three suspects, now them guess the right sus any of the suspects, and then Pete Davidson picks Will Arnett's character. Will Arnett just like freaks out. It was hysterical. Yeah, that was so funny. He's like, I'm I'm the officer. Like, it's like, what do you mean? Yeah. It was so good. And then Pete Dazing, like, having to fuse the bomb and then sort of, like, just being very cavalier about it was also hysterical. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's a funny dude. Yeah. I will also throw out here, what was the point of the TurboTax uh, dancing guy in front of the waterfall? Oh, I don't get it. And I've seen so many ads with it since. And I'm just like, okay, like, don't worry to don't do your taxes, I guess. But they'll do them for you but i i don't know i feel like there needed to be more thought behind it yeah two more i want to get your opinion on here because i was actually three sylvester stallone on paramount mountain crying the sylvester stallone face yeah that was weird i didn't get that one truly i'm surprised they paid for this because it's not the cbs super bowl cbs is there next year yeah well maybe they have like a deal and fox will get one next year i don't know because cbs remember when they had the super bowl a couple of years ago like the half the super bowl is paramount mountain commercials yeah, that was that was annoying. I forgot about that. Uh, two two more I want to throw out here. How about the uh, the the uh, T-Mobile commercial where uh, Zach Braff and Do- and Donald Faison are John Travolta's neighbors to do the Grease parody? Oh yeah, that was that was cute. I guess it was all right. Yeah. I wasn't like I see. I forgot that even happened, so I wasn't one of my top. That was one of the things like I think where we saw the commercial, we were laughing at it, but we had no idea what it was for, which I think is a failure. The commercial. Yeah, exactly. We saw them doing a Grease parody. Yeah, I was like, why are we singing Grease? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of here. There was, oh, the the last one. The Tubi ad was sort of, was bizarre. Because it comes out, I'm thinking, the middle of the fourth quarter. I don't know if it's a local ad, because not seeing the national ones I mentioned here, is that you they basically cut to Burkhardt and Greg Olson calling the game. All of a sudden, it just slips to a Tubi menu. And, like, the sound drives out, everyone in the room freaks out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, like I was telling you earlier, I was like, did I sit on my remote? Like, you know, like, did I hit something? Because I have like a Roku. Um, but let me tell you, it's all over TikTok. Like, it's blown up. It's went viral. People making like funny like stitches with it too. So I think like for them, Mission. like outside of the Super Bowl, it's doing great. Like everyone's talking about it. Yeah, I was reading an interview with their CEO about the commercial. I said, like, we didn't want to just do something, like, normal. I'd be disruptive, and because that's what we are trying to be. And, like, I'm like, you know what you did? You, you accomplished. Good job. That's my new favorite thing. Well, we just wanted to be disruptive. I want to use that more in my life. <laughs> yeah, and they are the new home of Westworld streaming after HBO Max, like, pulled this. Really? They sold it to them. So, like, they're going to have the Westworld like, episodes, like, soon. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, they sold the HBO Max content. We found a new home there, including that show. Oh my god, so sad. So Tubi is there. If you want to catch up on Westworld? Perfect. I'll use my Roku. <laughs> All right. So that's that year. And before we go here, we have a tradition sort of here, like as we sort of wrap these segments here. Like, what's all the stuff you've been streaming lately? Um, I've been streaming like every other almost person in America, The Last of Us. Um, highly recommend for anybody who uh hasn't seen it yet. Also, if anybody's scared of zombies like myself. Um, and barely got through The Walking Dead at some points. It is also more scary zombie-wise, but story storyline is amazing. It's great. And I've also been catching up with How I Met Your Father. 
Yeah, I have not gotten to that one yet either. It's on the queue for me as well. So I know the new season started. Yeah, it's really cute. I like. I mean, like, it's a very simple watch. So it's not The Last of Us watch, but it's really good. Yeah, I'll throw one out for you here. Like, in terms of Netflix here, have you ever heard of Kaleidoscope? No. Uh, yes, I have. I have. I am worried about how I would view it because I think I just watch it one through whatever. Because I think it's fun about Kaleidoscope. I'm just, I'm in the middle of it right now. Is for the people for the audience at home. It's like basically a heist show, like 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 led by John Carlos Esposito from uh, Mandalorian fame. He is like he has a crew, and they sort of go through different time periods of, of like leading up to this big heist. That's the whole point of the show. But the show is designed in such a way that you can watch the first seven episodes in any order you want. And the story makes sense, but you have to. The one rule of the show is you have to watch the heist episode last. I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing that right now. It's it's a lot of fun. I got four episodes in, so I still have three more to go for the heist. How did you decide on how to watch it? Did you just like pick a number out of a hat or? I did a little bit of research ahead of time. Like Netflix does give you a random order. They do sort of group in pods sort for most people here. Like I think there's like five, there's like two distant flashback episodes. There's like three that are present before the heist and two come after the heist. Okay. And, and they're all named by color. It makes it even more fun, so. Yeah, it's. A, I was interested in it, but I was like too afraid that I was gonna watch it like the worst way possible. What I would like, I would recommend is like if you want to try it, do the yellow episode first because it gives you a, at least a good sense of all the characters who were there and like sort of their motivation. So, okay, definitely taking that recommendation. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can watch. You can do chronologically if you want. You could like bounce around. Like I'm sort of like bouncing all over the place. Like, I think I've gone like I did one flat the flashbacks already, a couple of present day ones, and one post already. See, it just gives me like the anxieties to like pick it, pick episodes. Like I like that. It just <laughs> that uh, next episode, like whatever. I mean, Netflix will give you a random order that you could follow. Just go through that. Like you, I'm going off script on what my order was. I might just have to follow Netflix's suggestion. Yeah, I would just say yellow first, probably the easiest way to like sort of get to know everybody because like all your characters are in yellow and then you get other names and you get their motivations and then you could sort of like bounce around. Which is important because yeah. I feel like you need to know your characters. Because I've, I've, there's a, a link I could send you of like the idea of, of like, I think a guy for a variety, or for which website it was, did the ideal, came with his own ideal viewing where I could send that to you if you want to try that. That would be right up my alley. The show is fun, I will say. It's very, it's very well done. There are a lot of creative like things they throw, they throw throughout the show so keep you engaged. Oh, okay. Well, I'm definitely adding that to my list of things to watch after, uh, I get through these next couple episodes for each of these shows. Absolutely. Here. Sam, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, be a fan on social media. Keep up with some of uh, your tweets and feelings on things. Uh, well, you can uh, follow me on, on Twitter at S-D-E-R-O-S-6. I finally memorized it after how many years of being on the show? I finally memorized it. Very nice. <laughs> it's my it's my 2023 accomplishment of the year so far. Absolutely, Sam. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, and that will do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Joe Dowies, for coming on here to recap the big game. A lot of fun stuff there. Also, want to thank Sam DeRose for coming on here. Just heard from her doing the halftime commercial recap. A lot of good stuff. We cover all the angles of the Super Bowl here. If you are good stuff like this podcast, clue a look at the end of the Nets Super Team era, which was finished last week, and they traded away Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Check out the blog over at justonthesuffering.wordpress.com. Also check out the Sky Guys podcast. If you have not been subscribed to that feed, you're missing a lot of stuff here. We've been doing the Bad Batch coverage here, plus and getting ready for Mandalorian Season 3. The Mando Cut, the Book of Boba Fett, where we review the Mandalorian episodes of the, that show. That's out now in the Sky Guys feed. We have Bad Batch Episode 9 coming out this week, so 
you want all that podcast Star Wars stuff, check out the Sky Guys feed. You can check it all out there. Same podcast I was mentioned at the top of the show. You can also follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Coming up next, we're going to catch up here on the NBA. We are hitting the All-Star break this weekend, so good time to catch on the State of the League. We'll cover the Netflix golf show, Full Swing and more. So we have a better week than Eagles fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.